0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to bluenile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hello, I'm Sophia ellis and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but it can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, can you hear the birds? Can you hear that? They've kind of gone a bit quiet, actually. I thought that'd be a really nice, gentle start to this week's podcast. I'm on an unexpectedly beautiful walk home. Just dropped one of the kids at something, and it's Saturday, and it's really gorgeous. It's blue sky and sunshine. The day started dramatically misty. It's kind of like Victorian England, misty. And now it's clear to this gorgeous, gorgeous day and i've had a very busy week because my book which is called spinning plates because it was inspired by this podcast hold on people um it uh yeah the book came out this week that's quite exciting so it's felt quite different for me i've actually been to a couple of book festivals this week i know it's quite grown up isn't it and been talking to people about what's written inside the pages and luckily people are kind of getting the fact that um even though i've written about some well i've written about everything really good bad and ugly so there's some dark bits in there but the book starts and ends with a happy ending and that where i'm at now is good and i talk about a whole lot of other stuff and the one word that keeps coming back when people talk to me about it is it's very honest <laughs> I think uh, that's always been a little bit of a problem of mine. I'm not very good at lying. But anyway, it's honest, but hopefully it'll make you laugh as well. And it's been very exciting to bring a book out. I've really enjoyed it. So I've been doing lots of promotion for that. But I've also been calling the podcast because that's my baby and I love it. So this week's guest is a really lovely woman who I first met doing her podcast. So, Helen Thorne is one half of scummy mummies and they have their own podcast. They're actually one of the original podcasts that came out, scummy mummies podcast. And, uh, yeah, I met them and they came, they came around to mine to talk, um, as Helen and Ellie, her collaborator. And I really, really liked them both. And then Helen, I fought who I follow on Instagram, um, we're speaking a lot about her experience of going through a divorce and then published her own book it's all the rage guys called get divorced be happy and so that's broadly speaking what we spoke about but also lots of other stuff as well because you know me uh yeah so i know that her book has already helped other friends of mine going through a similar process and i would credit that book as being honest as well and i mean it's a compliment which is hopefully what people mean when they say it to me so yeah Enjoy our ramblings, and I'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. So how are you, Helen? I am okay.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, how, where do I start? Like today or just generally, holistically? You know
1: what? I'm going to say however you interpret that
2: question. <laughs> I am I am feeling the happiest I've ever been. I'm a really... Mm. I feel like a very jolly person, even though, uh, yeah, I'm, you know all the things that are about to happen, all the things that have happened. Um, yeah, I'm in a good place at, today and and just generally. So, yeah.
1: Oh, well, yeah. that answer doesn't actually surprise me because I feel like that is sort of radiating off you these days. Mm. Um, so we first met, I'm thinking it might be something like two and a half years ago. Yeah, like that? Mickey
2: was a teeny, teeny yeah. baby. We sat in this lounge, in we fact. We did, exactly. And he was, he was very small. Yeah,
1: I think he was maybe only a few, few weeks, actually, like six yeah. or something um and uh so obviously i've been following you through you know insta and all that and messaging you occasionally and yeah i was um i was actually saying to uh claire this morning before we met up today i was just like she just you look like you're sort of really radiant and and really happy and glowing but also there's just so much positivity radiating out of what you're posting and and how you feel about yourself it's Mm. actually really uh it's probably the most sort of like, you know people talk a lot on Instagram about sort of body positivity and stuff but actually I can really see it with your posts without it being a sort of hashtag thing if you know what I mean
2: yeah I don't usually hashtag I used to talk about body positivity when I started Um so I've got like the scummy mummies account which obviously I have with Ellie and then like Helen wears a size 18 and in the beginning it was all about body positivity and then I thought no that's all implied mm. if, if I'm sort of talking um well about my body or, or body acceptance body neutrality mm. all that sort of thing um, and I I really enjoy um, the discussions that come out of the post as well about people who are at different stages in their I guess um, journey of body acceptance and things like that so yeah I think I think I've really enjoyed doing that but it, it hasn't it doesn't feel forced or it's just sort of how I've approached. The world and my life and and, and that and has been a big kind of transformation in terms of how I feel about myself and my self worth. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's been great actually, and 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 I like the community that I've I've got who follow me, but also um, Instagram has just become I think out of the off the back of COVID and being locked up, I think people are, are really seeking out, you know, happy <laughs> happy people and, and positivity because it's just been so hard.
1: I think that's really true, actually, because I would, a lot of what you say actually resonates with me just in, in the fact that I feel happier than I have before. And I think some of it's getting older. Mm. Um, and maybe about shifting your expectations of what happiness and where, where you find joy in the day-to-day anyway. And mm. a lot of it is just about feeling a lot more resolved about the person you are and where you found yourself and the good people you have around you and yeah. You know, if you're lucky enough, like you and I, to do something you love for a living as well, mm. these all really help. But yeah. but really, I think you can find it, yeah, just in that sort of sense of community in your day-to-day world rather than kind of looking outside yourself all the time to,
2: yeah. to find that. And I think that was one of the gifts of sort of lockdown. I just remember I live opposite, like, a woods and I used to rarely go and always think, you know, on days out, oh, I've got to go out to London or do a thing or spend money or whatever. But just being just being able just to go to the woods across the road every single day mm. and going, oh, I love that tree. Oh, look, there's a bird's nest. Look, there's the eggs, there's the birds coming. Like all those really simple things, really kind of peeled back Um life in a way and I think yeah those small joys really sort of became emphasised and even like going to the supermarket every day with my son and daughter like we, we made we made the sort of things that we could do into much bigger than they were but in a way I kind of I really loved that and I love that my son once turned to us and said oh mummy Sainsbury's is our happy place <laughs> <laughs> I was like yes it is he yes it's like is. my kind of kid yeah yeah <laughs> chocolate bourbons Mm-mm. yeah so so yeah I really I think that's this, it. and it's not to make light of what happened in the last 18 months, but, mm. but also that, that you're allowed to find some joy amongst it all as well.
1: Yes, I think yeah. so. And as you were saying about peeling back, um, you know, layers, I couldn't help but my eyes be drawn to your amazing earrings, which are actually a <laughs> banana mid-unpeel. mid, mid unpeel.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was thinking, because I I mean, I'm in a sort of like giant uh, denim boiler suit and I thought, oh, I need some colour. And I thought, I think Sophie will appreciate I some do. glitter Glitter uh, banana peeled I do. <laughs>
1: oh, <my> earrings. <laughs> <laughs> and you just had your book come out.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, amongst the lockdown, um, about three weeks before the lockdown happened, um, I discovered my husband and partner of 22 years was having an affair. And so I yeah, so my lockdown was quite different uh, in that I was dealing with grief and betrayal and heartbreak uh, and didn't have anyone to hold or hug for three months uh, and then I went through yeah basically a massive trauma um, and then um and then about three months into it, when we could sort of uh, Ellie and I bubbled up um. I did a podcast with Ellie on the Scummy Mummies podcast and we talked about me becoming single, not really sort of revealing any of the details of why. Um, And I just started talking openly about becoming a single parent because Ellie and I have been doing this for eight years Mm. and our paths have been very similar. We've both got two kids. We live around the corner from each other. We're both married for a similar amount of time. And then suddenly my my story and my life became quite different. And I think that's been a real strength for what we do because we're talking to a broader audience. But also I feel like I can use my platform to kind of enlighten people about what it's like to be a single parent. Uh, And then, um, yeah, and then a few months after that podcast came out, Penguin approached me and said, Can you write a book about being a single, single mum and a single woman in her 40s? Because we like that you're speaking about it so positively. Mm. And so, yeah, and that's how Get Divorced, Be Happy happened. And so I had to write this. 80000 word book in about three, four months. And it was nuts and it was during Which this... Which is
1: phenomenal achievement, by the
2: way. <laughs> that is, that's not very it's, long
1: it's to write. It's actually
2: a mad, mad thing to do. Mm. But in a way, I wrote the book. It's a sort of basically a journey of the first year after separation. And it's raw and it's angry and it's sad, but it is a strangely uplifting book because it is it does have a happy ending. Mm. And it's not the girl gets the boy, but it's the girl gets rid of the boy. <laughs> and And I think... I, I really loved writing it. I mean, I sat at my kitchen table and sobbed through a lot of it. Mm. Um, but I interviewed over sort of 40 experts and different um, women who had gone through what I had gone through at different stages. So for me, it was just an amazing kind of therapeutic process of really really getting to the nut of the sadness and the rage and, and the hurt, but also really seeing what I had, which was beautiful female friendships, an Mm. amazing comedy partner and wife in Ellie, and also realising where my self-worth had lay um, in that being a wife and Mm. wanting to be someone else's someone. And really, I didn't need that. And mm. and so, spoiler alert, is, is basically I found more happiness uh, not being married than I did being married. So I think that was really good. And, yeah, the book came out in July and the response has been really amazing, actually. And I feel very touched that I get these beautiful messages from women around the world saying, thank you for telling your story. But also, I think a lot of married couples and married women have read the story and and really got something from it because they may have got an insight of what their sister or friend has gone through, but also reevaluating how they see themselves in a relationship. Yeah, because I really wanted to do, unpick what that meant. Um, so yeah, so it's been great. A lot of work, though, but now I can a have a tiny little bit of rest and go back on tour. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> For a bit. <laughs> I've got about a billion questions that go. <laughs> spun out from everything you just I'll said. Sip, I'll sip my tea. <laughs> yeah, 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 Well, while you have some tea, firstly, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I mm. can't imagine how painful that must have been. And, and I also can't, cannot begin to imagine what that must be like in the midst of a pandemic and a lockdown, all of the heaviness in the news. I mean, I know that... When, because we were all thrust into something together, I wonder if that also affected people's ability to really engage what was happening with you because mm. they've got, they're like, I'm really sorry to hear about you, but all my kids are at home now and I don't know which of those ways are up. And, you know, we were all sort of chucked into this thing where our world shrunk, didn't they? Mm. So I suppose out of that, the friendships that you did have to call on and rely on, those friendships must be fortified to the max now.
2: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it does feel like we've gone through some kind of war together or mm. something kind of big. Uh, and also when I think you go through a trauma or something really sad, it also allows other friends and people close to you to open up about their difficult times. And it's it really interesting, like, talking about divorce. And I didn't know some of my friends' parents were divorced or that their dads had affairs and things like that. And and when they've shared something and we've I've shared something, it just really solidifies that friendship. And and it's it's one of those things that I know culturally in Britain and also in Australia we're really Low to get really sad or really expose our sort of vulnerability but I think there's such strength in it as well and I think as soon as you make that first step going I'm a bit broken and then they go yeah I'm a bit broken as well it's, it's a really it's a really beautiful thing and um, and I think yeah I was really fortunate that I had Ellie even though we couldn't Touch each other or, or see each other that just knowing that she was there at the end of the phone call, but I heard a lot of designers like dropped on the front doorstep, you know mm. the doorbell would ring, and then friends would just like bolt to you know the front gate and we 'd sort of wave, but the absence of touch was a really massive thing, like yes. not, not having those sort of deep embraces when you 're feeling sad is is strange, and you know we know what it 's like to be held by our children or you know slapped in the face in the morning <laughs> that yeah. kind of that kind of sense of touch but um I think that's what I found very difficult. But in a way, I had to sink very deeply into the sad and the grief. Mm. In a way that I, it was uncomfortable because I'm quite a jolly, happy, and like to do positive. You know, a people pleaser basically. Mm. And so, for me to say I'm not coping, I'm sad. This is this is really shit. And I'm really, really sad. Um, I think that was that was the hardest sort of thing to kind of confront because I couldn't... There was no way to, you know, glitter the turd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. Well, you can't avoid it, actually. No, you can't. You're quite and, alone uh,
1: with your thoughts, aren't you? Yeah,
2: exactly right. So I had to learn how to be sad, learn how to get angry. Yeah. And um, Ellie, my comedy partner, is really fucking excellent at Rage. She's so good. She knows exactly what to say. Um, but, yeah, I had to try and do that myself. So I think that was that was really good. And it's a it's a bit of a weird thing because for the first first three months, I wasn't really out. And it's a bit like pregnancy. It's when you really need, mm. it's when you're feeling the shittest and you're sort of feeling the most broken. Yeah. And I think when I was ready, I could sort of come out and talk about it more publicly. But yeah, no, it was, um, it was a hard time, but also I feel like it was like heartbreak, boot camp mm. because it was really intense.
1: I was going to say, it's almost like an experiment of a way to deal with trauma. Like, Yeah,
2: lock her up, yeah. lock her away.
1: <laughs> what we recommend for this <laughs> is you're yes. going to be totally <laughs> devoid. And when we say devoid, we mean literally your friends will have to drop food on the doorstep yeah. and then wave at you from the gate. Yeah, and yeah. are just going to see like a torture, where that takes isn't you. It's like, <laughs> 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 just going to remove me. people.
2: <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but oh I, wonder,
1: I wonder what role that played in actually being able to to write the book in this way. Um, and it's a really well-written book. I really enjoy it. I love the way you write. Yeah. And I love the fact that it's... There's all the layers there because it's very honest. And as you say, there is a lot of rawness and and humour and objectivity about your, you know, how things made you feel. But it's also a sort of hand in the dark for people going through something similar because mm. there's lots of advice in there and yeah. um, experts and other people who've gone through similar things. Um, so do you did you already know all the people you wanted to speak to?
2: No, I sort of knew half of the people. I sort of mapped out the chapters. It was sort of like, you know, what marriage means and then also sort of unpacking about the early stages of my marriage and, and why I sort of was so in love with being a wife. So those sort of early things. And But, um, yeah, it was really nice to talk to friends about it, but then I wanted, I got like a top barrister, top family lawyer, mm. um, someone to talk about finances. And even though they're really, really fucking unsexy topics... They're the biggest fears. Mm. And so many friends I know, or, or women I've speak, spoken to, say, like, Oh, I just can't get divorced. Think of the admin. I'm scared of I'm scared of the courts. I'm scared of lawyers. I don't know, I don't know how to do the finances. And I, I wanted to be really, really honest about the fact that my ex had always said, Don't worry, I'll look after you. And so I didn't have a pension, I didn't know about money and all that sort of stuff. So I wanted it the book to feel like, yeah, someone holding your hand going through it because mm. Um, I know so many um, women who go, oh, look, I'll just wait until the kids are out of school and then I don't have to worry about it. But one of the things I, I really appreciated, there's a feminist called Clementine Ford from Australia who's who wrote for the book and she said, you know, we want everything the best for our children, like the best state schools and food and, and clothes and all that sort of stuff, but why don't we want the best mum? And the best mum is a happy mum. Mm. And so many women say, oh, we should stay together for the kids. But... I just loved um, what she says in the book about, you know, would you want your son behaving like your husband does or would your daughter Mm. want to be in a relationship like you are? You're setting the example. So, yeah, I really liked... There's some really good meaty sort of nuggets of advice and it's like sitting in a room with some really kick-ass women, which, which I... Was very privileged because I, you know, in my role as a comedian and a podcaster, I can just ring up someone and say, Oh, can you help me write this book for Penguin? <laughs> and so I thought, Well, what uh, I needed, I was very lucky that I got lots of advice and I wanted to give that to other women going through it because it's lonely. Yeah. The horse is really fucking lonely.
1: Well, it's what makes me think of that it takes a village kind of a yeah. ethos that we have for raising a, a child, which obviously is a big deal in anyone's life. But actually, these are all big deals. These are all big, yeah. significant things that we, you know, experiences that we can have. and. I know you're saying that when, you know, you read the book, it might be, if you're even if you're a married person, you might read it and get an insight into your a girlfriend who's going through something or maybe your mm. parents. But actually, for me, it also made me think about when I was little. Yeah. And particularly the chapter where you spoke about telling your kids and you spoke to the brilliant Philippa Perry, who's just... Oh, my God. Just, everything All she says hail. Is just sen- sensible, smart, <laughs> Oh, God, I love concise, that one. <laughs> Why you know? is she in charge of the <laughs> yeah, country? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that makes total sense. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she speaks a lot about... It sounds like you and your ex-husband are really amazing about how to actually talk to your kids. Yeah. And that's incredible credit to you to, for being able to, you know, because rage is a big part of it, I know, but being able oh, yeah. to sort of <laughs> put that just outside of the framework when you're talking to your kids. Mm. But especially in lockdown, that must be really quite testing, I'd imagine. But, yeah. Yeah, she spoke about, um, you know, how you, you never slag off the... The other partner because Mm. that's half your kids and particularly resonant if you're hearing your mum being slagged off and you're the daughter because you feel like well that might be where I'm headed you know it's ditto for fathers and sons and I just thought I thought I wish I'd been able to show my parents guys
2: guys 40 40 years ago (laughs)
1: yeah Um, exactly because they didn't do a bad job my folks but I definitely think there were bits where yeah, you can sometimes, as the child between it, you can always you can be encouraged to sort of play the game a little bit and be the people pleaser from one parent to the other. Yeah,
2: definitely. Um,
1: and you hear you hear you know sometimes what the other one's done wrong or how it could have been played better with the other one, and then you end up kind of just wanting to sort of trying to almost conduct it like a little tiny you know conductor in the middle of this like wonky orchestra of like okay I'll get this bit you know to reach a crescendo on this side and then I can quickly go after that side and that'll be much quieter and Mm. yeah it's just a a strange dynamic I mean your kids have obviously got each other in it as well which is also a really significant thing but similarly that they're that bit older so Mm. some of the questions they ask and the explanations they need might be a little bit more sophisticated than than if they've been smaller but but yeah it sounded like when by the time you sat them down you actually were both speaking from the same dialogue sheets yeah. for you and your ex, which is really impressive. So. Yeah,
2: I, I wanted to do, I don't think there's a, a perfect way to do it because it's a really big thing to do. But I liked what Philippa said. She said, you don't just tell them once. Mm. That is an ongoing conversation. And I think, you know, children go through grief and shock like you do. Yeah. Like I had to, um, you know, my ex-husband and I went really fighting or things went, went significantly wrong in the mm. eyes of well me and the children it was all a very big shock and for them to be sat down uh, around the kitchen table with a big bottle of big bowl of skittles and said oh you know daddy's moving out now we're really sorry they were, they were really quite shocked and so and, and then i said oh and you're getting a kitten and <laughs> <laughs> cuz my ex is allergic to cats um so that was a really <laughs> We got two. (laughs) I love cats. I love cats so much now. Um, But, yeah, so um, it was such a big change. But, you know, in 10 days' time and then in two months later, I just remember my son going, "Um, so so Dad's moving back soon? And so I was like, no, darling. Is not this is this is life and it's it's it is tricky but we're going to make the best of it mm. and you know we're going to have our ups and downs but we'll we'll try our best and we're a new family of three so I think that was really important but I just I love being a single parent and I was really I think there's something in me that I was really afraid of divorce I was afraid of being alone and now now I can't think of it any other way and oh, that's I, extraordinary isn't yeah. it yeah I mean, if you
1: could listen to yourself saying that
2: now oh my god I don't eighteen that months bitch? ago. <laughs> fucking crazy um but yeah so i think yeah i think all the things that i was most afraid of are the things that i've most
3: loved
1: wow that's amazing actually what an amazing outcome and just yeah so different from what you might have imagined
3: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: How, how is your relationship with your children? How,
2: how does it change when you find yourself in that situation? Um, I, think, I think I was a bit sort of hesitant because it was such a major shift mm. and the fact that they went from, you know, going to school and then homeschooled and then yeah, um, all these all massive well. sort of transitions yeah. and um so that was really great but in a way there was something quite beautiful about having those 3 months just together alone i was on tap if they needed yeah. a hug if we just needed to go oh fuck homeschool today we're just going to watch <laughs> we're just going to watch RuPaul's drag race and eat crisps then that was okay mm. so i think because my life i'm usually on tour like i'm away like 2 or 3 nights a week doing gigs and God if we'd got separated then I just I think I think that would have been really hard on them yeah. and just to have their mum with them all the time I think was really lovely. So the arrangement at the moment is I have them 5 days a week so I just felt you know, if there were days we just had to be in our pajamas and be a bit sad, then that was okay. Yeah. So I think there were some real benefits for that. But um yeah, I it's 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 great that they speak about it very openly. I know some people don't want their children to talk about the divorce, but I'm from the get go of said, no, this is who we are now. We can be really proud of this new family. Yeah. And I think that's great. And the kids, my, my kids are very, very sort of casual about it. And I, we're out for we're out for um, lunch the other day, and my um. My son, Tante's friend, and he said, Has your dad done any adultery? <laughs> I was like, I don't think he has. And the, the mum was there. She's like, Well, I hope not. <laughs> This ten year old son, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he cheat on no. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> very relaxed about these chats. But anyway, um yeah. But I think that's good and I think I think the stigma of single parent is, is starting to change. I would agree. The head with that. tilt is going, you yeah. know. There's still that thing. But I you know, I talk to older women who've gone through it and they said, oh God, it was really hard, you know, they wouldn't get invited to dinner parties because otherwise we're afraid that they were going to jump their husbands. You're like, oh, as if, you know, I've had a husband. I don't want any more, especially not one already attached. So I think mm. there's there's some real um, stereotypes that are starting to be broken down. Oh, yeah, I would
1: definitely agree with that. Mm. And I think also, talking about what you're saying about grief and sadness, I think our relationship with how we deal with those is really different as well, generationally, because yeah. that whole kind of... Button up thing is just not not it anymore. And that, the, the ability to just let the sad be, if that's, that's the thing you're doing. And, it, you know, if you're going, we now know, if you're going through a traumatic thing, you're, it's okay to just take your foot off the gas and just stop and just absorb that. Yeah. And actually, I think, you know, the significance of the lockdown and meaning you're not touring is a really big deal as well. Because then, yeah, you could just be there for them. And actually, mm. it makes you think, well, wow, if it hadn't been the lockdown, and everything would have had to take on a different shape yeah. and maybe been a lot more complicated and a lot more drawn out.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so whilst it was probably a crash course you didn't, wouldn't have chosen, mm. you, know, you can still see that there's things that come out of it that are, that are more positive because of that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: and hearing you talk about touring makes me think, what, what is it like to be a, a working comedian on the circuit when you are raising a family? What was happening when you had your first baby? Were you already in comedy then?
2: Uh, no, I took a bit of time out. Um, from comedy because I moved over to the UK in 2006 and I was mm. I was doing comedy almost full-time back then and then I came over here and, you know, I did write about this in the book. Like we came over from my ex-husband's career and I just thought, oh, look, it's his turn to shine. I, I did a bit of TV in Australia and stuff and I just sort of gave up on comedy and then it wasn't until I had my second child, my son, I was up in the middle of the night breastfeeding him and I just thought, why did I give up? what I loved. I was really good at stand-up. And so, yeah, and then I, I booked a gig. And a couple of weeks later, I did this shitty gig in Deptford in a shipping container. And that's when I met Ellie. Oh, what wow, The first gig? Yeah, my first wow. gig back after having children. And it was this sort of sort of light bulb moment and that we we literally fell in love with each other on the stage. We, I was doing a shitty five-minute set and she was doing an amazing five-minute set and I just thought she was the funniest, most amazing person I've ever met. And we went backstage afterwards and we having a beer and I was like, oh, I live in Forest Hill. and She's like, I live in Forest Hill. It's like, I've got an 18-month-old baby, oh, so do I. And then we found out that our sons were born 18, uh, 11 days apart by the same midwife. Oh and I we love lived that around the corner. Yeah, and it was just this sort of but it was a weird moment in which I chose to do something I loved that wasn't about the kids, it wasn't about being a wife. And then, you know, the kind of universe gave me Ellie Gibson, which mm. was this amazing kind of gift and that changed my life but I made that decision just for me yeah but yeah yeah in the beginning when it, when we were starting to do more touring and, and Hugo was still quite little it was really hard because they really need you especially yeah. at night time but now they're like yeah see you mum you know yeah. bring us back some Percy pigs <laughs> exactly Is that on your rider <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> smart yeah <laughs> yeah because so in the bit
1: when you first had you would to come over with your husband and you have having your first baby were you working at all then did you just take off comedy and everything else? yeah
2: so I'd, I'd study history of art, so I was actually working at the Courtauld and ah. then I worked for Arts Council England so I worked in sort of um, my backgrounds in contemporary art so I was always working in in that kind of field and then just made the leap when Scummy Mummies kind of one once we got the podcast out things could have Took off. Mm. It was a while until we made some money, but um, yeah, we just started to tour, and then yeah, now I do that full time. But it's now that good that we've got to a point where we can actually choose when we do gigs and things like that. Like the balls in our court now. Yeah, how nice! So much nicer. So we don't do gigs during the school holidays because, frankly, everyone's on holiday anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's been that's been really good, and yeah, and it's nice to sort of it's a weird feeling that we sat around a kitchen table one day and said, you know, let's do a podcast, and then now this is our life. So it's yeah, yeah it's great. Because you are saying to me earlier that you've done over two hundred episodes. Yeah, so you're like veterans in the uh, yeah, we basically are. created podcasting. <laughs>
1: <Yeah. laughs> two thousand and thirteen, we started our podcast. Well, that would be back in the day before everybody had a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. That's
2: it. We was quite niche. It was what is a pod? How do I listen to a podcast? People would say. Um, but yeah, we have put out a podcast uh, every fortnight without fail even through Ellie having a premature baby she was i remember her pumping double pumping breast milk mm. to take to the hospital to her premature baby and editing the podcast at the same time oh wow she's so fucking amazing um yeah so we yeah that has gone out through yeah all sorts of things through yeah all sorts of tra- traumas and life life dramas but it's been such a great a great thing to do. And the podcast is sort of like the base of everything we do. And then, yeah, yeah we've written a book together and all sorts yeah. of things. And and Ellie's an amazing video games journalist. So it's really nice. I've got my book and doing work in sort of single parenting sort of stuff. And then she's doing her video game stuff as so well. So you still so. got
1: a life outside of your relationship. Yeah, yeah that's right. You get on with your own We things. dabble.
2: We're, it's polyamorous. <laughs> <laughs> We're very open. Uh, yeah, but non-monogamous. Uh, yeah, so it's good. And um, yeah, I love, uh, you know, this year we did the main stage at best of all, you know, when we started off, it was like 40 people in a tiny tent. And yeah. just to build that with like your best mates, a really pretty nice feeling. No,
1: that's incredible. And I yeah. wonder as well, if those little, every incremental step towards actually, you know, being able to be a bit selfish with, with the things that make you happy and mm. things outside of certainly with, you know, your husband's work at the time and your, your marriage, it actually sort of maybe gave you like a little backpack ready for, you know, what was lying ahead really so that you've actually got a lot of things that are actually already just yours yeah. and your forum and mm. your voice yeah. and how to contextualise things and people, community out there who are listening. That's actually a really powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah. To have all those people out there for you. Because they obviously those people who've been listening since, yeah, 2013, but like they... I know you inside out from that way, you know? Yeah,
2: that's right. And, yeah, I, it does feel like I've got a, an army of women behind me mm. and I do feel incredibly privileged because of that. And, yeah. like, every time I posted about, fuck, you know, all the jobs, I, I really loved that a follower once said, no, Helen, you're not a single parent, you're a double parent. And I thought, that fucking true you know you were doing twice the work um and there are times at you know 11 o'clock at night where I'm you know holding you know the tea and just about to dribble it on myself because I'm so tired and I go shit PE tomorrow go you know and so washing all that sort of stuff and it's just down to you and the Mm. but but also I like the way that my children see me now There's nothing to hide, and I'm like some days I go, look, mummy is really tired. Let's all help do the housework. Let's we we're we're a team here, and um, yeah. So I think they see me, I guess more flawed because I'm sometimes more stressed and juggling and all that sort of stuff. But also they see a resilience in me, which I think is really really important and really really positive for them. And you know when I have to fix things or. Do something technical, or you know, or defrost the fucking freezer again. That um, they see, <laughs> they see all that sort of stuff and hear the swears. Um, but you know, um, I think I think that's really good, and yeah. you know, I think it's good for my son, and I think it's good for my daughter as well. So, yeah, yeah. And we often have to cheer when I've like fixed the drawer. Like, look, look what mummy can do. They're like, yay!
1: No, <laughs> oh, I get that, and actually, yeah. I think there was something I can't remember who it was actually that said it in your book, but they're saying that sometimes. Um, when you're doing these things on your own, you were doing all these things before in the marriage, but now you're just not also really resenting the fact that you're doing them. Yeah, actually, that's quite liberating. Oh, that was Sophie
2: Haywood. Oh, she wrote it, yeah. a fantastic quote in the book about, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She said, you it know. It made me think, actually. <laughs> it was No, it's a really brilliant quote. She said, you know, I got up, I fed the baby, I went back to sleep, but I didn't have the resentment of expecting someone else to do it. Yeah. You know, the, the dishes got washed by me, but there wasn't the rage of going, fuck. Why didn't he do it? So it's sort of, it's really great. I, I thought that was a really strong quote. And, and yeah. I, I hope the book does shake people just a little bit about yeah. what their roles are. And I love the quote by Arabella Weir and she said, never put up with behaviour from a partner that you wouldn't put up with from a best friend. Mm. And she uses this great illustration of going, if you're sitting down at the dinner table and, you're, and your spouse partner says, oh, broccoli, why'd you cook it like that? Or oh, chardonnay, you know I hate chardonnay. You, you would tell your friend to get out of your house, but yeah. why do we accept shit behaviour from the people we're supposed to be in love with? And I yeah. think, God, ooh, ow, ow, that yes, that's that's a really good meaty quote. So, um, yeah, but I, I want to say it's also like the book has got lots of like catastrophe and awkwardness and especially when I – start to get happier and sort of try and navigate um my life as a single woman and and, and, and dating again. There's lots of lols in there if people yes. <laughs> if it's not just like it's not it's all not all depressing. And I hope people read it who aren't just going through divorce as well because um I I love reading autobiographies and so that's okay. and I like the juice and the gossip and the darkness as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I mean
1: I was telling like my husband this morning about the your hot tub um, night out which (laughs) followed I think a very late night out the night before yeah 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 uh, on a date and then going out with girlfriends and then Mm. you're trying to stay awake in the hot tub yeah and kept splashing your face with water and I ended up with a Terrible eye infection. Oh, just yes, it
2: looked like it looked like a it looked like a waxed fanny. My eye it was this puffy fanny eye for about two months.
1: Because yeah, I remember when you were posting that, I was thinking, oh god, <laughs> that eye's still bad. <laughs> it went on for two. Months. There were some like experiments with hairdos. Oh yeah, there's a lot of and hair, angles. And, yeah,
2: and Ellie would <laughs> often post photos of her just with a wine glass in front of my <laughs> eye. Once there was a pizza slice. There, <laughs> it became it became a running gag. And then I went to the Moorfields in there, and they were like, uh we need to test you for a whole lot of things. And I was in there for about six hours, and then like you've got to. You've got to go, you've got to have an um, operation in three days. And I just fucking sobbed. But one of the things they tested me for was syphilis. And I thought, oh, you dirty slut. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he didn't do it in my eye. But, you don't you know, have syphilis eye. Oh, nobody wants syphilis eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. But, yes, I'm syphilis free. Um, any future lovers aren't listening. Um, <laughs> And also, I can't tell which eye it was. So. Yeah, it was, yeah, no, Outside. it was this. Yeah, I don't have me wonky. Eye you anymore. did
1: um, well to escape without any permanent, lasting damage. That's from right. Eye I do
2: get some sexy, sexy like diamante um, eye patches.
1: And actually, one passage I was rereading today was all about your relationship with your body, and you said such a brilliant thing. I think, um, and I'm going to misquote you now, but <laughs> essentially, it was about how you actually found you have a better relationship with your body because you're, it's sort of free from the judgment of anyone because mm. it's all your own. And if you want to pierce it or wax it or tattoo it, like it's all your own. And yeah. actually that, that sort of surprised you as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it was so weird, like thinking that, you know, my body belonged to somebody else about, you know, the way I had my hair or lack of hair or whatever. And just, just there were moments in the last year where I just felt such elation mm. and the freedom to do whatever I wanted and especially, especially to do with that. And I just remember, you know, my, my ex was quite critical of how I did exercise and, and you know, sometimes, you know, the clothes that I wear and I just always felt on edge that he would criticise something and, and I didn't realise that sort of drip, drip, drip feeling of, of not really being loved and, and not really feeling sexy around him and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And I... Um, I was conscious of that you know going into dating as well because I knew that i I had such an absence that I'd been sort of robbed of that kind of love and affection over many years, and clearly he got he was giving it to somebody else um yeah, so I think you know when the first time I had sex with a guy and he said I was beautiful i just I, I it was just such a shock that someone would say that mm. i I've got used to it now <laughs> <laughs> oh um, yeah but but i think I think those sort of things you 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 start to believe if you're you know sort of robbed of those sort of compliments um then yeah it just feels like i wasn't You know, and I did for a while not just feel good enough, but now I just feel it's been such a transformation. And also, I've really enjoyed exercise now. It's Mm. um, and I've enjoyed doing like powerlifting and running and all sorts of things. And yeah, I just it just sort of just put a new light on who I was. Yeah, and and you know, it wasn't sort of a reinvention, but it just sort of, you know, just taking off those layers of 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 self doubt and worth, you know, that had been challenged for so long within that relationship. Yeah. Um, and just to just feel good about myself as me, yeah. um, So I think that, um, yeah. So that was that was a really nice thing about going through grief is that you you get this opportunity to just lay everything out, yeah, you know, and and sort of rebuild yourself from there. Well, I suppose it's extraordinary
1: because firstly, I totally understand that thing of like if someone is constantly dripping that, you know, negativity, mm. you start actually thinking you're not really worth anything better than that because yeah. that just becomes commonplace and if that's how you're spoken to and if that's your line in the pecking order, then that's just where you're at. Yeah. And when you're out, no one's going to call them up on it or nothing's going to change. It's never going to be like, you shouldn't mm. say that about your wife or, you know, yeah. so you just think, oh, okay, yeah, this is just this is the dynamic is. of things. Yeah. But obviously you, you know, up until that point, everything was as you as far as you knew fine yeah so it's sort of almost like you've gone through this big thing and gone oh actually I think this has been a there's been problems here for a really long time yeah and I'm sure there will be people that read the book and then think actually how how are things here and how 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 am I treated and how do I feel about that and are we taking each other for granted or being casually rude or not really helping the other one out because it's mm. just so easy to get in this People can behave very badly, especially when the love starts to go. It brings out, like, the worst in people generally. Yeah. And presumably as well, you that means you'll be raising kids where you feel like they will have better self-worth for themselves, you know. And you yeah. can talk to them about that really openly and with experience, mm. about how to be in a relationship and how, how their happiness wouldn't be dependent on that person for yeah. know, certain things and to make sure you're always checking in with yourself. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's all powerful tools going forward. Mm. Um. I mean going back to the, the kids and, and motherhood, did you always think you'd have children? Was it something you always wanted oh, to Oh, absolutely.
2: I'm I'm one of five kids and um my dad was a vicar. So I grew up in a vicarage and oh, then wow. my mum was a childminder. So there were just kids everywhere. And I just couldn't wait to have children. Like Aww. I just I Where are you in
1: the lineup for that? I'm the five?
2: fourth out of five. Okay. Yeah, so it went boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. And we're all pretty creative and nutty and and, um, musical and all that sort of thing. So it was a pretty loud and wonderful kind of house to grow up in. Um, And my mum was always very motherly. And she met my dad. She was in the choir. My dad was the young vicar. And they met and uh, were together from when she was 19. And I remember going through... Um, couples counselling with my ex, and and then I started to describe my relationship with my parents and their relationship, and I'm going fuck, 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 fuck. That's me. I found you know I started going out with my husband when um, I was 19, and it, there were the parallels. I thought fuck, I've just my mother I didn't think I was my mother but I am I am my mother Um, but yeah I always wanted to be a mum and I used to write lists of baby names and I was very focused on becoming a parent and I remember um, saying to my ex um, before I turned 30 I either want to get married or have a baby and I had my first daughter two days before I turned 30 you just had it in your head yeah (laughs) You got in there. Yeah, got it in. Yeah, exactly. I had my first baby in my 20s. Um, yeah. So that's so funny how we do that to ourselves. I've done things stupid. like that too. I know. Yeah. The, the lists or the sort of rules that you make for yourself. Yeah. I was like, I don't want any babies
1: in my 40s. So I had Mickey, like, I think it was like three months before my 40th birthday. There you go. And to me, yeah. that's like, it's fine. I was in my 30s. Yeah. Who cares?
2: Literally, who cares?
1: show me the gold star there yeah yeah yeah. yeah
2: exactly I know exactly right so yeah and then we got married about 15 months after that and then had my second a year after that so well, I sort of knocked it out quite mm. early and I had Matilda in Cambridge and like all the other first-time moms, who were all in their 40s academics mm. it was a really different there was I, this young plucky Aussie girl who just arrived off the boat so, did you know many people back then Not really, no. So, and I took it really fucking seriously. It was all, you know, only breath milk and, you know, organic purees and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, who? And then, you know, I've become famous for being a slaggy, boozy, sweary, scummy mummy who, like, feeds (laughs) her kids' fish fingers off the floor. Like, what a turnaround. But I took it so, oh, God. You know, I want to go back to bloody Bowden Hill and, you know, on Stripe, Helen, uh, in two thousand and eight, going. It's going to be all right, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be all right. Let her out now. Yeah, get your box <laughs> wine in, babes. <laughs> Deliveroo will be a thing one day. Don't don't worry. <laughs> it'll all work out. Um, yeah. So I just. Oh gosh. And I was in the NCT. It was all very intense. And you know. But um, but you know, I think those versions of motherhood were were it. You know, mm. had the books. You know, social media really wasn't portraying so motherhood. True in any other way other than you know the bugaboo you know um sweaty betty leggings go out and jog three months after having a baby kind of thing which is all fine if that's you but yeah. I didn't feel like I was sort of fitting into that.
1: No so true and it didn't ever really sort of bend into uh young life as well it felt mm. like if you had a if you're a mother even if you're in your 20s you you were okay you're in that chapter now. Yeah. So um I mean the way I always think as a good sort of parallel is actually the evolution of um breast pumps yeah. because when I had my first so that's 2004 the breast pump was this huge enormous medical grade thing and it, it looked like a the,
2: record player. It was like this, yeah, this huge, huge sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cumbersome, single as well. I'd yeah. Swap it over halfway through. And, yeah, it and, looked like it could, like, revive someone's heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's true, yeah. Clear! <laughs> I remember falling asleep once when I was, because at my first I he didn't come home from hospital straight away. Yeah. Because he was early, like like Ellie's baby. And then... I fell asleep in the middle of the night pumping one side and left it on for, like, an hour. Oh, and my God. And that boob was just a thing. <laughs> I don't even know what it looked like by the end of it. it just, it's not supposed to be in that cone for that no, long. No,
2: no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Popsinger dies from having her breast yeah, milk. <laughs> yeah. God, sucked
1: everything else out as well, not just the milk. Sorry. My life bloods went into that. Um, and then by the time I had Mickey, so that's... Um, you know, 2019, breast mm. Pump was this, like, you can get wireless, oh my, slip in your bra, yes. wander around, oh my lights God. up like a little disco light, works on an app on your phone. Oh, my God. You know? It's like a video game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like that, and okay, oh, you want to have that kind of life, you want to be that kind of person. Yeah. You go do that and we can do this, we can do that simultaneously. Yeah. So I was thinking that's quite a good way, like, the timeline, you yes, know? I know. From beginning to end of how... And how motherhood's perceived as well, and how open we are about the stuff that's tricky. Mm. And you're right. I mean, I had the Gina Ford book given to me when I had my first, which is the Contented
2: Baby book. Oh, I don't God, know if you're familiar with huge. her work, but it was a huge thing. And about so miserable, yeah. Like, but the, the most, dream feeds and yeah. about control and every four hours and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And I was like, I was a failure from day one. Yeah, me too. I couldn't do the control crying. I me just neither. I put Matilda upstairs and I can hear her cry and I just wept. Yeah, on the sofa. I was like. How is this good for anybody? No, no. She's crying, I'm crying, you know. I'm with but, you. Yeah. <laughs> I did a week of it and it was the worst week. Oh, God. Ever. It was horrible. Yeah, no. I, yeah. Was, I just sort of, yeah. then I limped through motherhood and guess what was fine? Yeah, it was okay. One biscuit at a time.
1: <laughs> but it's interesting there's been such a big evolution from when you've had your first baby to wait. you know, to the things that actually now most people would think are synonymous with mm. you, like the scummy mummy thing. I mean, what did that come through comedy then that you kind of discovered let yourself be you
2: yeah and i think it's sort of it's sort of you know art imitating life imitating Mm -hmm. art sort of thing and the more that i was open about the struggles of motherhood and and also how hilarious and ridiculous it is yes you know that you are sometimes covered in many different body fluids that you know (laughs) you didn't think you could be that disgusting but you you are when the kid has like the baby's thrown up in your bed and done a wee and you've probably done a wee on the bed as well and you just put a multitude of towels down and go to sleep because you're so fucking tired um it's gross It's really gross. But I think if you can laugh through some of it, then I think that's really important. Mm. And there is so much rich humour to be mined from it as well. But also... I think one of the best um, bits of feedback or comments that we get from other mothers is just said, "Fuck, you've made me feel normal." Mm, yeah, and I think I think again, like like divorce and these sort of big life shifts, is that we kind of feel like we're we're alone in it. I was like, is anyone else going through it? And um, Ellie and I were actually talking about it the other day. I remember once driving from Oxford to Cambridge, and my daughter wouldn't. Stop crying, unless we sang "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." So me and my ex-husband, I think for two hours, sang "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." If we start, if we stop, she would start crying. Oh my and just goodness. the things that you did yeah. in those early days, or lying next to her with a hairdryer before we had that white noise app, yeah. and just holding a hairdryer in the middle of the night, thinking this is probably really fucking dangerous. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I remember <laughs> all of that stuff. I remember like with my first tea. I thought I knew. This is when he was in a Moses basket, so he must have been about I don't know eight weeks old. Yeah, I remember reading him a bedtime story, and then I would, in a darkened room, then hold my hand like just lightly over where his eyes are to to help him close his eyes, <laughs> just until he'd fall asleep. Just but hover it. Just I hover thought, it. I your thought hand. that was what I needed to do. Oh my god! Um, but actually, even now. My two-year-old Mickey—he's really into music. So when I walk him to nursery and he's in the buggy, mm. he makes me put on. Um, at the moment, he's really into indie indie ghetto, like this J Balvin <laughs> remix. And we have to, we played it on the way to school this morning. It must have been about eight times. As yeah. soon as finished, oh, an indie ghetto! <laughs> so we walk past all these other kids going to school, and we're like this sort of like funky little bugaboo bro. indie indie ghetto, and he's like pumping his little head along. <laughs> but yeah, if I turn it off, he'll just shout for it. So I, yeah. yeah, yeah, it continues. I know he's definitely <laughs> in boss, boss baby mode. Yeah. Um, but when you started doing comedy, were many people talking about parenthood in that way?
2: Yeah, I think we were sort of part of that first wave of sort of, you know, what they call like honest parenting. But we, we did the, the podcast and we were doing the live comedy shows. So they sets sort, sort of
1: simultaneous? Yeah. So they sort of
2: Yeah. They, they sort of, the podcast started in the July 2013 and then mm-hmm. we did our first live show in the November. And they both sort of hit, they struck a chord and we were really surprised. Like the podcast now thing is listened to in over 150 different countries. That's There's amazing. There's scumbags everywhere. It's a, it's a universal <laughs> theme. And I love I love that we, we even went to Nepal um a few years back, and interviewed some women over there, and um, and we were talking about parenthood and 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 all the even though their 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 lives are very different, we talked about do you need to you know give them biscuits to put their shoes on? They're like yeah, um, and so <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been really awesome. And yeah, so I think we were very much part of that first wave, mm. and and I think women were desperate to know that they were they weren't alone, and that you know it's normal to feed them or that if they've got a child that only eats pizza, you mm. know that's okay no one's going to die from eating pizza no. um yeah, my son's still alive, very much <laughs> because of that. Um, because yeah, and I think that was that was kind of liberating in a way, and also in in good for me as well because I just thought, you know, am I am I doing it wrong? Because those images of parenthood were just very much sort of perfection based, and, yeah. and I think this made everyone feel pretty crap. Yeah, really, like you failed failed automatically. Yeah, exactly. So um, that was that was that was great in a way, but we are really conscious now. Like it did sort of tip one time where we were like all the photos of us are holding glasses of wine. <laughs> and we thought, actually, let's, let's, let's calm down the wine pics a bit, even though it makes everyone feel better. But, yeah, I think we're kind of conscious of that there's a mix of a balance. But also our content, like we're now, Ellie and I are about to run the marathon, and, you know, that doesn't feel very scummy. But I think it's sort of tipped a bit more into what we are as women in our 40s and what we're achieving in that sort of Sense. So I think it's sort of evolved. We're not talking so much about, you yeah. know, dirty nappies and things like that. But yeah. that content's still there if people want to listen to it.
1: Yeah. But I think, you know, we're all allowed to be like, there's always a 360 as well. So you can have that side of you and also be flipping marathon, which is yeah. incredible, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're running it for Women's Aid and Ellie for Born, which yeah. is the premature baby charity.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they're both fantastic charities. But yeah, what started off as a bit of a laugh about, you know, going, oh, yeah, let's do it for attention. Now we're going, jeez, it's a long way. It's a really long way it to is. run. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Too long, I would say. Yeah, it. I reckon. <laughs> I'll probably just, I'll be crawling by the end of it, but it'll be fine. No, yeah. I think you're
1: going to, I think you're going to nail it. I'm <laughs> seeing how much running you're doing. It's like amazing. Oh, yeah yeah there we go you carried on the wave as well all the people watching and cheering and all that yeah um well before I let you go I want the one thing I did wonder is when you've written a book like yours do you find yourself then open to other people telling you all their stories all the time
2: yeah is that okay that is that is um that's been a really beautiful and sometimes overwhelming thing Mm. um so I'm getting messages daily from women sharing their stories and some of Absolutely heartbreaking. And some are from sisters or friends who've got friends going through that. Um, And especially when the book first came out, um, yeah, I was really overwhelmed by it. And also, I felt very raw because in the week before the book came out, I didn't sleep very much because I thought, shit, I've just, I've, I've, Told this really raw and story about you know there's there's bits of it about passing out from drinking too much alcohol and you know there's, it's very explicit about my sex life and all that sort of stuff and I felt pretty exposed but actually people said no because I'm so honest it's actually been very comforting. Yeah. But, yeah, sometimes that's hard to manage because I feel really responsible because I've shared my story and I've invited yeah. people in. Um, but, yeah, I try to reply to all the messages and even if it is just sending you lots of love and yeah. um, thank you, I just want to I wanna do that because it takes a lot for someone to share that with a stranger.
1: And but, what's the hardest bit when you're about to publish that? Is it when it's actually out or is it the bit just before when you know it's sort of coming but you haven't quite got to it? It was the being... bit
2: before. It's, okay. a bit, it's a bit like before the birth, isn't it? And
1: I'm glad just my because I've got a book coming out soon I've been quite honest and I'm getting really freaked out. So oh, it's, awful. it's an awful feeling. Asking well, for a friend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like yeah, the worst it's, bit. it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it's really yeah. nerve-wracking. Yeah, there was one night I just couldn't I couldn't sleep. And also, you know, if I'm being really honest, I was, I you know, so much of the work I've done has been with Ellie and this is just me mm. and I've always, because Ellie's amazing, she's smart and funny and just just a brilliant human being and, and you know, this was very much about my story, even though she writes a chapter in it, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, my relationship with her is so precious and I didn't want that to sort of, yeah. you know, I've, I've, you know, I'm a big people pleaser so I thought, oh, shit, you know. I hope this doesn't affect the scummy mummies because that's my most precious thing. Um, so I think I was having big kind of conniptions about that as well. Um, but yeah, I'm just, it's a relief that the book's not shit. <laughs> it's not shit. It's definitely not. But
1: also, it's a big love letter to your children yeah. and to yourself, you know, about where you're at and how you feel about things. As, yeah. As you said, a lot of positivity. But also, the thing that made me think of is, you know, I had a girlfriend go through um, a similar thing not that long ago. Mm. And We were always close, but I think since she's been through this, you know, had to walk through the fire, and I've been one of the people that she'd call, I feel like our friendship is closer than ever. So I get the impression that's probably the result with Ellie too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we've had to, you know, we've done a lot of crying and a lot of swearing together and all the extremes and I think that really strengthens um, strengthens your bond. And yeah, I think that was the hardest that was the hardest bit to write in the book about when I told her. And then when I had to read the Are you going to read your own audiobook? I've done it, yeah. Oh my god. I hadn't reread a lot of what I've written. Yeah, so isn't, was... that, isn't that... <laughs> also I couldn't say a lot of the words that I wrote. I couldn't say a comp company company. I couldn't say that word I cannot say that word. And they're like, fine to say jo- joining Helen. I was like, Okay, they were joining me. Um yeah. I found it quite harrowing mm. and there were bits where I just burst into tears and they're like do you need a minute I was like yeah yeah so I think but it was cathartic it was really mm. cathartic kind of reading the book so yeah when don't worry listener if you get the audiobook it doesn't have me sobbing they're, they've <laughs> edited that quite smartly
1: <laughs> well yeah before I let you go so you're you're back on the live circuit now yeah so you've been back. doing
2: gigs again yes that's... how's that been Absolutely bloody awesome. It is so delicious. And also the audience, I don't know how you found it, the energy from the audience is just yummy. It's ramped
1: up a bit, hasn't it? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, bright eyes and smiles at you. It's been really wonderful and a big... Yeah, like going back to places like Camp Festival, which we did a couple of years ago, and just seeing everyone again was just wonderful. So, yeah, we're sort of booked up until I think about June next year. Amazing. On and off, so that's really that's really great and nice to be in the tour van and and living that life again. But, yeah, I just feel incredibly grateful to do what I love, so it's good. Yeah,
1: and it gives yeah. us a catharsis as well, doesn't it, for any of the stresses and tensions and all that stuff. Yeah. Because i to be thinking, I can't, I'm not sure I can get the gig. You know, I'm not there, and then you need to go on stage, and it, just, it brings you what you need.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's great, and you know, I learn a lot from like writing and doing stuff online, and you know, doing Insta lives and all that sort of stuff. But really, nothing beats. The roar of the crowd and I know. and and just getting you know backstage and getting ready and feeling all those those feelings again, so yeah, yeah, we're sort of going all over the country and um yeah it's it's fantastic really cool, yeah, and get keeps you well stocked in percy pigs fucking yes, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, those catsuits stink <laughs> <laughs> oh they're awful oh Jesus, so you've
1: got the like um <laughs> the uh the ones that are from that place in Bristol yeah yeah, 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 yeah birds, I've got one of those. yeah. <laughs>
2: They're lovely, um, but yeah, we don't want to. We don't. We don't want to wash them in case they lose their luster.
1: I think washing those ones is. Ex- they're only made of like lycra or something, oh, aren't they? Okay, <laughs> thank you, Sophia Baxter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My crotch will smell better because of this pop star, everyone. <laughs>
1: it's really funny why don't you wash them they're just like and they're just like sportswear I feel like such an idiot no but like the sequin ones now they're hard to wash oh
2: yeah the Rosa Blooms yeah Yeah. I have to do
1: that in the bath oh okay but like that's just every once in a while when I think okay I really need to okay we've got catsuit care covered here
2: (laughs) yeah exactly that's your new line Oh, oh my god. That's yeah. funny. I will wash my cat's it now. I feel like like I really am the scummy mommy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Off me. Oh. <laughs> I'll
1: give you one of my fabrics off now. Oh tablets. thank you. Yeah. Ah, oh, what a woman. So joyful. Really loved hanging out with Helen. And talking to her and she really genuinely looks glowy and sparkly, radiates joy which is always a good thing isn't it. Um, Not saying it's a great advert for getting divorced guys but um, it is a good advert for going through a really big upheaval that wasn't even your choice and coming out the other side realizing that maybe things have worked out for the best or at least you can cope and thrive under conditions you weren't anticipating and maybe you're a bit fearful of. And who isn't fearful of an unexpected change in their life? Oh, blimey, I'm walking through a very busy area. Sorry to Richard, who's editing. He always likes me to go somewhere quiet. And I seem to, God, why is it so busy around here? Oh, they must have just closed the tube. Oh, it must be that, because there's literally, oh, maybe like a hundred people still outside the local tube station. That does not look good. Something's gone wrong. Well, at least they've got nice weather to wait outside. Um, I'm off in a minute to do a gig. It's my last band gig in the diary for a while. So I'll enjoy that, actually, because I love playing with my band. I don't mean I'll enjoy having the last one. I mean I'll enjoy playing with them. <laughs> that came out wrong. And then I've nearly finished, um, nearly finished my uh, main bits of promotion for the book. I did Saturday Kitchen today. That's actually really fun because you basically just sit there, answer questions about yourself, and eat really nice food. Uh, (laughs) So I ate for breakfast, I had uh, duck waffles with um, black garlic, I had homemade um, ravioli with ricotta and lemon, I had chestnut soup with partridge, and I had uh, Malaysian fish curry. So you know, I did well out of life this morning on Saturday Kitchen. I should have made a joke that 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 was just what I had before I got to Saturday Kitchen. Damn it! I missed an opportunity for a laugh. That's annoying. Anyway, uh, I love you and leave you for now. Um, Hold on, I'm about to bump into my 12-year-old. Daddy's gone out for a haircut. I need him because his
0: GoPro It's full, so we
1: can't record. He'll be back in about an hour. Okay. All right. Where are you guys off to? I'll get Pokemons. Oh. And Martin hasn't had lunch, so what do you think? Oh, okay. Well, we I, an, th- I probably oh, won't get God. anything, but he just wants you to. You might get be able to get something at home, Martin. Oh, okay. Otherwise, you could pick up a sandwich when you're out. Okay, yeah. okay. alright, guys. See you in a bit. Yeah, see you in a bit. Bye. That's my 12 year old there off out to get Pokemons, apparently. Um, anyway, I will love you and leave you. Got another lovely guest next week. Uh, sorry, that's distracted me a little bit. I wasn't expecting to bump into him. Why is he off wandering? He has asked permission, but I wasn't expecting to see him. Anyway. Have a great week, my darlings. I hope the sun shines for a few days more. Lots of love. See you soon. Thanks to you. Thanks to Helen. Thanks to Claire, my lovely producer. Ella May for my amazing artwork. And you for your ears. See you soon. Bye-bye.